Was that a zipper sound? Uh, no, oh, that was oh God. What was that? That was me tearing pages out of a uh, notepad. You <laughs> just you just take decision points every page you read. You just rip out. <laughs> oh, I'm not going back to that. <laughs> just to make sure no one ac- no one accidentally reads the book later. I've got an entire Foley studio here. Not ready for anything. Oh no! Fire! 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 <laughs> this would have been really convenient during the power. <laughs> I didn't know they did sound effects on audiobooks. It's the first one I've ever heard. They should totally do them on this book. <laughs> Storm was lingering 200 miles off the coast of New Orleans. The sound of <laughs> trumpets getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> but there are no WMDs in Iraq. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Meat Suits and Meat Dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 70, which means that if our shows were meters, we would be the legal distance from an archer to his target in the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this week, we are reading the middle third of Decision Points by George W. Bush. Uh, this section is subtitled Part 2. George still disagrees with his critics. If you'd like to read along with us, you could get the audiobook for free by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. Sign up for a free trial there, and you can download this book. You can get the abridged version, which Bush reads. <laughs> you made it seem like he only read the abridged version of his book. That <laughs> <laughs> would not terribly surprise me. <laughs> anyway, it's time for me to do, introduce today's panel. Uh, first up, he's doing a heck of a job. Reporting live from Barbados, it's Ezra. Uh, apparently, I'm shit at everything, except for, um... No, I'm shit at everything. <laughs> well, we're glad you could come out here and be shit on our podcast. Uh, also, he is the president of Iraq, and he's finally ready to negotiate, now that you've pulled him out of a hole and made him shave. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome Chris back to the show. I'm really concerned of what Iran is thinking about me. I mean, really, that's, that's why I'm in the hole. <laughs> Can Iran see me? <laughs> uh, I like thinking that this is you actually Where you're like, I'm wearing a sweater today Because I thought Oran might notice And I was like, <laughs> I got my hair cut yeah, Oran's just like really catty <laughs> Alright, and also uh, Joining us again He was really hoping to be the education guest But uh, now he's been forced Into being the war guest By starting two wars of his own volition Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Andrew back to the show it's great to be here. I, uh, having read my book, I now realize that there were a lot of mistakes made during my administration. Luckily, none of them were my own. <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> passive voice. I yes. love passive voice. <laughs> and of course, I'm your host. Whenever I hear someone make fun of Andrew, I just, you know, it hurts me. So I've decided that instead of trying to get a job, I'm just going to come work for him. My name's Alex. Oh, that's cute. That's a nice spin on unemployment. Chris, I need you to summarize this book for us, so turn your Uh-oh. Texas back on 
because you're going to have 60 seconds to tell us all of the things that we went through in non-chronological order this time. Well, Decision Points, the second third, is more about George W. Bush and how he, as President of the United States, made some decisions that he thinks were pretty good ideas. Such as, Afghanistan, should we go in? Yes, absolutely. Afghanistan, should we stay there but then shift our attention about four to six months later to something else? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Also, immigrant and social security reform, domestic policy, uh, nuanced issues that he doesn't have any idea about. And also, Hurricane Katrina. Fuck that bitch. (laughs) And that's the book. I especially like fuck that bitch. Yeah, it's not even mine. Uh, my buddy Sprinkles from New Orleans. Uh, we say that every time Katrina is brought up. Oh, so that's cute. Yeah. And ironically, I think that's a Kanye West tip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start with the compliment round, as we always do—a compliment sandwich. Uh, it sounds like fair criticism. We will begin and end with one. So, Andrew, as the guest, you still have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. What do you prefer? Uh, once again, I'm going to go last this time. Excellent. Well, this time Chris is going to go first. Yeah, so there was this part, I don't know if I'm just in a fragile emotional state or, um, (laughs) you know, it was the weather, but I was walking down the hill to work and I was listening to the part in this book where Bush describes, uh, you know, immigration process for uh, soldiers who have fought and like, you know, immigrant soldiers uh, made me, made me a little teary eyed, actually. Yeah, I mean, they just want to be, they just want to be citizens. Yeah, and they've already given so much. And um, yeah, he describes that very nobly, I thought. Oh, that's a real genuine compliment, Chris. I know. I'm sorry. I'm setting a bad precedent here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a really sincere compliment as well, so I guess I'll go second. <laughs> when he was describing what happened in Afghanistan post the invasion, and he, he installs Karzai as the president of the country, and he says that it is, Karzai was not a puppet government, but with his Texas drawl, it sounded like, that man was not a puppy government. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he wasn't. And I think <laughs> puppy government would be so touching and cute. Just a, a puppy wearing a tiny little tunic and a tiny little goatskin cap. <laughs> Holding a little puppy staff. Yeah. <laughs> I strongly rebuked him by hitting him on the nose with a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> the, the great thing about a puppy government, though, is that they definitely have like a, a natural like lifespan. Like they won't get cute, and you'll have to vote them out. So like, <laughs> term limits of the of the most exactly. aesthetic kind. Term limits are about nine. Natural months. term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ezra, genuine or not, go for your compliment. I, this is a compliment to uh, to Colgate toothpaste, I guess, for being the chosen toothpaste of both Bush and Tony Blair. <laughs> I totally missed this part. It was a great moment where um, Blair and, and Bush were meeting, and like someone was like, so what do you guys have in common? And Bush is like, well, we both like Colgate toothpaste. Oh. And um, <laughs> this is a really good call on also on Colgate's part to um, not publicize that ever. <laughs> that kind of product endorsement that kills your product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two out of five world leaders prefer, prefer Colgate. <laughs> How was that meeting going that they were like, so, uh, I like toothpaste? I mean, it's like the best example of a terrible first date, I think. Just, <laughs> yeah. about toothpaste. just searching for one thing they have in common. Please, there's got to be one thing. Yeah, and then they watch Meet the Parents together. Yeah, I was just going to say, the unauthorized product endorsement for Meet the Parents. 
the question is, if he could do this with Tony Blair with Meet the Parents, why didn't he sit down with Saddam Hussein over a movie and try to come to some kind of an understanding? <laughs> and what movie would it have been? I'm, think, I'm thinking like, you know, Jackass or something. Couples Retreat. Yeah. Couples <laughs> Retreat. Couples Retreat is pretty good. I've come up with a new term for, uh, for how President Bush met with people, and I think it's barbecue diplomacy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is his legacy. It's like there's just now there's a Coleman at the White House and a lot more business gets done. <laughs> or barbecue is code word for passing them a lot of legislation. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of backdoor com- back backroom compromise. Yeah, sure. Backdoor compromise, totally different thing. Yeah. <laughs> that out. Was that like a rim job or something like that? Uh, Andrew, I think you have a <laughs> Yeah, so my compliment is uh, the more I read this book, the more I realize that uh, George W. Bush really seemed like he would be a great guy to hang out with. And if it hadn't been for that pesky presidency thing, he'd be an awesome friend to any of us. <laughs> if he was just the friend who owned the Texas Rangers for a little while? Then be like, yeah, well, that's a great conversation. Because here's the thing. We have a, a long legacy in this country of essentially electing the person who seems like the person we'd most like to hang out and drink a beer and watch a movie with. I mean, we kind of treat elections like Match.com. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this historically all the time? I think like, so. I mean, like, Taft was kind of a, an ugly guy, but he must have been really... Charismatic friendly. fucker, though. Boy, could he Lindy. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, Taft, you're going to have a meal when you're with Taft. I mean, you and Taft are going to close down the Fuddruckers. <laughs> Where, what are you going to do with Obama? Well, he's going to tell you about his legislation again. Hey, you'll play basketball. Oh, that's true. He's, he's going dunk all over your ass. Does the president dunk? Have we been over this? I don't think he does. He's pretty tall. He's pretty tall, but I think what he does is he does perimeter shooting and layups. I mean, that's, oh. yeah, he's that guy. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, if you're the president, you probably don't go hard to the hole anymore because you don't want to, like, risk rolling your ankle or something. But... you got to make some backdoor compromises. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. All right. <laughs> right, but because there was a joke, we got to leave the first one in. <laughs> yeah, we do. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. wish I had a rabbit and a hat with a bat and a six-form Hey, so now now with the compliments out of the way, it's time for our more natural state, which is our hate segment this week. It is called Hades Checkers. It's like normal checkers, but it's more ethnic. And so for some reason, it's not checkers related at all. (laughs) Okay, I'll start. How do you guys feel about WMD versus WMDs? I mean, I think technically it's correct to say WMD is already plural. But it's not clear if it's plural or not, because that's the same acronym as Weapon of Mass Destruction. So shouldn't it be W is MD? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it should, in the same way that people say something is an historical event. But that just makes me want to hit him with a sock. I mean... Yeah, I don't care if you're right. If I had a sock, I'd hit you with it. Here's the thing. I'm I'm actually an expert on this because I have a linguistics degree, so the proper thing to do is to say WMDs, and then when you speak it, you say Weapon of Mass Destructions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i'll go over the hate all right uh, he mentions uh when he wins the uh second term that he goes in to uh give dick cheney a hearty handshake dick isn't really the hugging type 
I I hate that we don't have some kind of video or something attached to, <laughs> to see what kind of elaborate handshake they go through, some kind of a LeBron James like fist bump and <laughs> dancing around. And how did he figure out that he wasn't a hugging type? Did he try that first? Yeah, obviously there was some yeah. really awkward uh, proto hug that went on the first time. Yeah. Oh, this or this is one of those like high right arm things where you're like, this will be a hug if he wants it, or it'll just be a low high five. Yeah, and then he like leans, and then Dick Cheney leans back the torso, signaling, "No, I'm not into that." Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Maybe like Dick is kind of he's like kind of like a squirmy kid, you know, and Bush is like the mom or something like that. And he's like, "Come on, honey, let's have Give a me hug." A kiss, and, like, Dick, before you go to school. Dick's like, "Oh no, come on, come on, Bush." <laughs> yeah, oh, Bush. Yeah. <laughs> Dick always makes Bush drop him off a few blocks away from the White House. He's like, I'll just walk from here. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, this is, I think, a hate on, on Bush's um, uh, imagination, I guess. I think at one point he's making a decision whether to have this uh, bombing strike on for um, Saddam. But he was like, My biggest concern was that the intelligence was a trap. What if it was not Saddam headed to Dora Farms? but a busload of kids. The first images of the war would show us killing innocent Iraqi children. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea that, that that Iraq would at the time have enough like re- like resources to like have buses yeah. and kids. Like, <laughs> I feel like they were short on everything. We got recent intelligence that the president of Iraq was headed for a nice day at the aquarium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, was there a petting zoo over at Dora Farms? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They were going to go see how cheese is made. Now, you know, this is a farm, though. you got to be careful with language. And I think Bush is a scholar of language, right? He also knows his way around a farm. Bus full of kids going to a farm could just be baby goats. And dude does not want to lose innocent <laughs> livestock. <laughs> we know he has no problem killing civilians, so it really must have been a goat problem. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it be terrible if the first uh, images of the war would show the sound gun from uh, Atlas Shrugged <laughs> yeah, killing goats? Killing all these goats. <laughs> you <laughs> monsters! Yeah. Oh, I wish I could be back with my friend George W. Bush watching Scream 3. <laughs> <laughs> I hate slash love that the leap from Afghanistan to Iraq in the book was just as hard to follow as it was in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this, is, this is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's like we're in Afghanistan and I knew we had to attack Iraq <laughs> and Iraq's just like wait what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that he's had like half a decade to get a better story out of this you know and, like, time revising. this is still the best he's done <laughs> so you guys don't have the book you have the audiobook but uh, inexplicably there's only one map in this entire <laughs> book and it's a map uh, of... And it's in a footnote about <laughs> yes. a celebrity. No, it's a, it's a map of Iraq and the rest of the Middle East right before the Iraq chapter. It's totally inexplicable. I mean, there should be a map of Texas. I mean, he talks about more of these weird towns in Texas <laughs> that I have no idea where they are. I mean, I can I can pick out Baghdad on a map, but I mean, <laughs> Midland, Texas? I got no idea. Yeah, that's this somewhere right near the middle of Texas. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what if um so so Bush wanted to be the uh, education uh, guy, and what if this is just like the only way he figured out to teach people geography, which is to invade other countries so people would know about these countries. That's a yeah. brilliant like, idea. Look, American kids, you're gonna learn where Iraq is because we're gonna invade it, so you'll have to go there soon. This is where <laughs> Daddy's arm is. Oh God. <laughs> Awesome and too soon. Chris tells a sad story. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Did you know that Cyprus was an island? 
Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. I only just learned that by looking at the map. Huh. It really has no point in being on this map. It's not <laughs> mentioned in the book at all, but... <laughs> It would be more awesome if there was, like, a map of the solar system with, like, an arrow pointing to Earth. <laughs> it's, a, it's a picture of the whole universe, and there's an arrow pointing to Earth, and it's like, clearly, right here, you can see the chemical warfare department of Iraq. Might be WMD. <laughs> we asked the leader of Jupiter if we could fly over his planet space, <laughs> and he said, I don't think so. Strategically located Jupiter. <laughs> And then I invited him over for a barbecue two years later, <laughs> and it turned out he was a great guy. Yeah. We watched The Santa Claus 2 and had a great time. <laughs> All right. Uh, other hates? I got a hate. Yes. There's on uh, on page 174, for those people who are actually following along with the book, uh, George Bush is uh, talking about one of his favorite biographies is of uh, President Harry Truman. <sighs> and he mentions, uh, when he left office in 1953... His approval ratings were in the 20s. Today, he is viewed as one of America's great presidents. Hint, hint. <laughs> hey, did anyone know what Bush's uh, what Bush's approval rating was? Like when he left, did he say? Where did I? Sorry, Bush's poll rate approval ratings were down in the low 30s when he retired, and they're now up above 40. So he has done pretty well in post presidency. Maybe it's his book. Okay, the low 30s. Um, that is um, just a little bit worse than the Nicolas Cage movie, National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets on Rotten Tomatoes. Snakes, haters. And I made myself so easy to love. Yeah. Yeah. How much they hated. It's time for another Read It and Weep debate. So here's how we're going to do it this week. We're going to do a special four-way debate. So each of us has been assigned one of the biggest mistakes that George Bush didn't make during his presidency. We will each get to make a couple of points in favor of why ours was the biggest mistake that he didn't make, and then other people can ask clarifying questions or make personal attacks on us. Uh, Ez, uh, why don't we start with you? What are you? De- what are you defending, and what are the reasons why this is the greatest thing that Bush did perfectly? Okay, uh, I have immigration and uh, social security reform. It's pretty easy because if you remember, he did not actually successfully reform either of these things. Um, <laughs> both these things were kind of really fucked up before he got there he did not actually technically change them so whatever you're going to say about Bush you cannot blame this on him (laughs) Uh, I have just a clarifying question so uh, I guess the point he was trying to make in the book was that he was doing the right thing even though it didn't get passed Uh, do you think this would have been a mistake had he succeeded you know uh, luckily we don't have to actually judge him on that um (laughs) As I see it, you know, he was uh, basically Social Security and immigration were kind of like a couple of shit sandwiches, you know, just sitting on the uh, table of America. And, you know, he was like, hey, I guess I could put some mustard on that shit sandwich to make it a little better, maybe some pickle. And then, uh, you know, people on the left and the right are saying, like, no, no, it should be ketchup, no, it should be onion. And he was like, fuck it, I'm not doing anything. You guys can't agree on shit. Shit sandwich stays where it is. Bush out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that that this then can count as the biggest mistake he didn't make for not doing anything because uh, 
He also did not make many other things worse. Like, he also didn't bomb Los Angeles. I don't know. Would that have been worse? He didn't bomb Las Vegas. <laughs> he didn't bomb Los Tres Hombres, a delicious Mexican restaurant near my house. <laughs> How are the enchiladas there? Uh, pretty good. It's a tasty sauce. Cool. Anyway, uh, he, did not, he did not bomb numerous things in America. So clearly that's a bigger non-mistake. No, this is all tied for best thing he did then. <laughs> well, I have a question, which is uh, you basically had in both of these cases, these bills were introduced with the bipartisan support, and yet you were not able to use the power of the presidency in order to bring either party in line with what you were trying to do. Why uh, were you so inept? There's a, there's a great quote for this. While I was willing to fine-tune legislation in response to Democratic concerns, I would not compromise my principles, which was what some seemed to expect in return for cooperation. It basically means, fuck you guys. <laughs> that was so that's a brilliant why. quote. I was like, I'm willing to change the bill as long as there's no compromise of any kind. <laughs> He'll change the font a little bit on the bill, but that that's all you get. Yeah, you want Garamond? You can have it. No <laughs> Helvetica? No way. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's let's move along. Let's see. Uh, let's let's have another debater join the fray here. Uh, Chris, what are you fighting for as the biggest non-mistake of his presidency? The biggest unmistake that George W. Bush never made. He decided to invade Iraq. He gave Saddam Hussein every diplomatic option available with an army sitting right outside his border for 48 hours before invading. I mean, <laughs> he gave him every single option. He worked with the UN that included France. France, guys. France. <laughs> I don't even like their fries anymore. <laughs> Saddam Hussein was a bad dude. And he rocked the mustache pretty well, you know. <laughs> and that's got to stop. That has got to stop. Trying to make a mustache look good. Yeah. How dare you? What are you, my dad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say this for a second. Um, wasn't he... Didn't he have a mustache during November? Couldn't he have been trying to raise awareness for um, men's prostate research? Is that a thing? Movember? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, no. Movember. Yeah. No, no shave November? <laughs> I don't know why I said men's prostate research, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, um, while it's a thing, that mustache could have been hiding WMD, so. <laughs> and he couldn't bring himself to shave that mustache in 48 hours. We had to bomb his shit. <laughs> you have to keep the mustache to keep up appearances with Iran. <laughs> uh, clarifying question here, Chris. Yeah. I believe the president did admit to making two mistakes in Iraq. Uh, the first one was he was a little too nice in that he, after he killed the police and the army, he decided not to enforce any laws on the civilians. Yeah. Uh, he was a little too nice to the civilians there because he believed in democracy too much. He's a man who loved not well, but too hard. Yes. Aren't you just using the technique that people use in job interviews when somebody asks what your biggest weakness is? And you basically just turn it around and use it as an excuse to say something good about yourself? You know, I think... <laughs> no, I think he is saying that his biggest mistake in Iraq was too much awesomeness. <laughs> you know what uh, George W. Bush brought to the invasion of Iraq was blue sky solutioneering. I mean, he found an option <laughs> outside of the box that people maybe weren't willing to commit to yet. But he was ahead of his time, you know. And I, I think that that ambition, time management... Detail-oriented, self-starter, uh, was, 
was exactly what he meant to bring to that. All right. Uh, so that's the uh, Iraq mistake he didn't make. Uh, Andrew, do you want to do one or do you want me to go? Uh, I'll go. I've, I've got uh, Katrina. Do it. Fuck that bitch. What we did in Katrina, our intentions were flawless. The, the problem we had was that that female governor would not let us go and send the troops in. I was ready to send the troops in. I was ready five years before Katrina. I was ready to send the troops in. The troops <laughs> were poised, just waiting for a hurricane named Katrina to come and hit New Orleans. And then uh, when the hurricane hit, I was ready to send them, but I didn't want to make it look like I was overruling a female governor because I would have made people unhappy. <laughs> And if you got rid of that governor, there would be no more females left that would be qualified to have that position. That is correct. I would have sent Sam Alito down there to the governor of New Orleans. Now, uh, Mr. Temporary President, clearly this was a storm that happened that was out of your control. And then there was some local government reaction that was out of your control. However, it was completely within your control to do your flyover where you noticed the damage and then flew home to Washington. Uh... Please tell me how that wasn't a mistake. <clears throat> well, I didn't want to end up on the ground right in the middle of when things were happening. Uh, you have to understand, New Orleans is made up of a lot of tribal factions that are at war and have been at oh. war for years. And so I had to stay out of the danger there until they felt comfortable having boots on the ground. Did you say tribal factions or travel factions? I said tribal, tribal factions. Oh, okay. I know it's a popular tourist destination, so... I may have read the chapters of my book in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> like the Girls Gone Wild faction, maybe, and like the, the MTV Spring Break faction. That is correct. Uh, I'm talking about the No Child Left Behind Act today, which is clearly the biggest mistake that George Bush did not make. And here's why. As Bush points out, he was tired of passing kids along without asking what they've learned. So now we ask. <laughs> and I, I say he, he laid out exactly what the problem was, and he solved exactly that problem, and no more. So a question. Yeah. As a conservative, uh, one of the tenets of your beliefs is that the government should have much uh, more limited intrusion into the rights of the people in the states, yet uh, don't you think that uh, mandating all this on the federal level is exactly the opposite of what uh, your conservative beliefs hold? Well, it's a couple things. We definitely allow for more flexibility in the way this can happen, and we let the private sector do its place. For example, the federal government does not own Scantron. <laughs> <laughs> that is a private company that has come in there and, and uh, done its best to keep children from graduating. <laughs> One of the common complaints is that, um, that No Child Left Behind was underfunded, and you said, um, that's hard to believe, given that we raised federal education spending by 39% over my eight years in office. Now, you also say in a footnote, a rare footnote, that 92% of spending actually comes from the state level. So that's, you just, really, it's kind of a tiny bump, actually, if you think about it. So it's only 8% that we're dealing with that the states even get. And you raise that 8% uh, by like a third. Right, and I, I also failed to point out that uh, if raising something by 39% is still underfunded if it needs 50% increases. <laughs> Which... It probably needs more than that, also. That's right. Anyway, I just want to point out, I did not make this mistake because I was a victim of the system and I was shuffled along without ever being asked if I'd learned math. <laughs> yeah, no no president left behind. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. 
So, uh, okay, so after this kind of extended uh, rambling debate thing, who's persuaded? Anybody want to change sides? Um, I mean, I feel like... <laughs> what do we think as a team was the biggest mistake he didn't make? I mean, I feel like you guys should be on Team Iraq, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm most persuaded by Ezra's claim that the biggest mistake he didn't make was failing to pass some legislation. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was a pretty good argument. Pretty, pretty ex- outstanding inaction there. <laughs> All right. Yay! Yay! Congratulations, Ez. Cha-cha! Thank you. So, Ezra, I, uh, you sent me an email that said that you'd run out of Audible books again. Uh, I just go through them so quickly. I really can't keep them on my iPod. We've been seeing so much in the news recently about the epic battle between George W. Bush and Kanye West that came out of this book. And uh, I was just wondering if you were if you had any plans to get any of the numerous books that are going to come out in the next few months uh, about skirmishes between other presidents and other rappers. Yeah. Uh, I, I do remember very much the famous rap battle uh, from NWA's classic Fuck the Polk lease. Oh. <laughs> oh. There was, of course, uh, President Harding and uh, the rapper Warren G both decided who was the better Warren G. So that was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was fierce, actually. There was bloodshed. Yeah, I remember that the hit song there, which was called Warren Terror. <laughs> uh, a really big fight broke out when uh, William Howard Taft actually thought 50 Cent was r- rapping about a candy shop. well there was that one time where uh you know mc hammer really agreed with william mckinley on the spanish american war with two legitimate a war in cuba to quit (laughs) catchy read all about the rap battle of little bighorn with one week free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash read it and weep Hey, it's time for uh, the other half of our compliment sandwich, so we're going to go in reverse order the way we started. Andrew, you'll be first. What is your minor compliment for this section of this book? My minor compliment was discovering in one little throwaway paragraph in the book that uh, President Bush didn't keep a TV in the Oval Office. (laughs) To me, that shows real discipline as a leader to uh, not let any of the real world intrude on your day-to-day (laughs) decision-making. Yeah, unless you open the door. Yeah. Because there's one in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant not to let the real world from MTV intrude on your (laughs) (laughs) He was an addict, so it was really important that he... uh... (laughs) Ezra, second. This gave me a really good, um, I guess, TV pilot pitch. Uh, During the... um, During 2006, Bush has uh, uh, Musharraf and Karzai meet up. And uh, there's really like kind of like nice back and forth they have, you know. And Bush says, "I told Musharraf and Karzai the stakes were too high for personal bickering," and it seems like they're really going at each other, kind of like an old married couple. And I really want to show where they're married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't get along that well, but goddamn it, they gotta stay together for the kids. <laughs> married with dictators. Yeah, <laughs> married with dictators. Totally. Good, right? <laughs> 
I think it's a great idea. Nice. Yeah, and maybe they actually do care about each other, but you know they're just so so stubborn all the time. And then maybe they have the thing where like, like, hey, I could run your country, you know, way easier than you could run my country. <laughs> and they switch, but they both get it wrong, so they want to switch back. There's so many great places to go with yeah, this. They they learn so much about the other person by trying to be in their shoes for a day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a wacky neighbor character. I smell a wacky neighbor character somewhere. India's the wacky neighbor who like you can't ever see his face because it's always hidden by the fence. <laughs> Man, that curry smells really good. Thanks. I've been working on it a long time. <laughs> Crowded house, though. Got a billion people. <laughs> Wait, are you picturing, like, Gandhi Wilson or something like that from Home yeah, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My minor compliment. So, at one point, a mother of a fallen soldier gives a dog tag to the president, and he, like, keeps it on him for the rest of his presidency. And a mother of a firefighter gives him the firefighter badge, which he keeps on him for the rest of his presidency. And I was thinking, with the frequency that this man starts wars, he's got 400 pounds of dog tags around his neck everywhere he walks, like the uh, like the ghost in A Christmas Carol. Yeah, like Jacob Marley. Oh, he's Marley? Yeah. He's Marley good, with, like, dog tags. It's a good thing they don't make him go through metal detectors. Just saying. <laughs> he always opts for the uh, for groin search instead. Yeah, for the pat-down. <laughs> Postmodern, <laughs> postmodern flavor, flav. <laughs> and one more compliment. Yeah. Um. So my favorite thing about George Bush's uh, foreign policy is that his entire foreign policy could be summed up in like a Facebook page. And what I mean by this is it's all about interpersonal relationship and not about the policies they said or what that country is doing, but rather how he feels about them that day. For instance. Putin, when he says, I looked into his eyes and saw his soul, he gave me a ride in his helicopter. That's that guy that you met one night at a party and you're secretly Facebook stalking and hoping to become friends with him one day. Nobody at parties invites me to ride in their helicopter, but I kind of like that. Yeah. Tony Blair is his best friend. If Tony wanted it, George Bush would give him another week before invading Iraq. This is like, you know, post on the wall, like, hey, I just saw this thing. Maybe you'd like it. <laughs> what? For, for, there's like a there's like an event invitation yeah. for the war in Iraq, and Blair's like, oh, can't make it that week. Next week? Next week. And then 500 countries have been invited. Yeah. Our, three RSVPs. The whole war in Iraq was basically the equivalent of asking a bunch of your buddies to help you move. There'll <laughs> <laughs> be pizza, guys. Come on. Yeah, exactly, because he always says, like, it'll be, like, you know, 8 to 10 in the morning, and then we'll be done, and at 5 o'clock, you're like, well, we had pizza four hours ago, and I'm still carrying your goddamn bookcases. Yeah, yeah what... it's like, oh, wait, wait, we actually, sorry, guys, uh, we broke some of uh, the Ikea stuff in transit, so we have to make new ones. <laughs> I am not into furniture building. I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> and then the whole the whole Afghanistan chapter, it starts off by, well, we built this massive multinational huge coalition force to go in with us, and then a couple pages later, it's like, well, that didn't really work. Uh, that's right. People make plans on other Saturday nights. Don't count your house party by number invited on Facebook. All exactly. Right. That be, or even RSVPs, because you can RSVP on Facebook and then not show up. Exactly. Yeah. Or show up and be like, have all these other restrictions where you're like, even though it's Halloween, I didn't have time to buy a costume, so I just put on this hat. <laughs> yeah, that's not a costume. You do not get any spooky pigs in a blanket from me. <laughs> Spooky pigs in a blanket. I want to go to your parties. (laughs) They're really fun. (laughs) 
that is it for our show. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Hey, we will be back again next week where we will finish up the final third of this book. Yep. We'll be done with Bush forever, I think. That's it. Anyways, thank you so much for uh, for broadcasting live from Barbados, Ez. Always a pleasure. Chris from your non-native San Francisco. Thanks for uh, making it here. Yeah, it's lovely here. Uh, glad to hear it. Thank you very much for being here, Andrew. Coming to you from Vancouver, Washington, or as George Bush calls it, Canada. <laughs> I, I hear that uh, Vancouver, Washington was part of the coalition of the willing in Afghanistan. It was. <laughs> Didn't work out, though. <laughs> anyway, you can check out more from Andrew, uh, comedian, writer, uh, director, all kinds of stuff. AndrewBerkowitz.com. We will see you next week. Take care. Goodbye. We're just going to the aquarium. Ah. <laughs> Worst field trip ever. My permission slip didn't sign me up for this. <laughs> <laughs> Remember.